Hello everyone, how are you doing? Welcome to the Incremental Gains podcast. Today, another book review, pretty exciting one this time, I'm pretty excited to talk to you about this book, because it's a new book, a new book, a new subject, and something that I probably wouldn't have ever approached reading before, so I'm really looking forward to telling you about this book. The book is... Prisoners of Geographer by Tim Marshall. Basically, I need to read, put this book out. I listened to the podcast and I was like, that sounds really interesting. Um, Ed Cunningham, thank you for recommending this book. I used to be into geography at school and... It was all stalagmites, stalactites, drawing topography, so like doing graphs and taking the access lines off um, ordnance survey maps and drawing the topography. You know what I mean? Pretty boring shit, really. Um, but this book made geography really interesting to me. Geopolitics. It's funny how a book can turn up at the right time Obviously, all the atrocities that have been happening with Russia and the Ukraine and the Russians invading Ukraine, and it's really sad what's going on. Didn't really understand, because I don't watch a lot of news, didn't really understand the the history involved in that, um, in that part of the world and why, why Russia is hell-bent on on Ukraine and Crimea. Again, coming back to a book appearing at the right time, this book answers all those questions. And it was really enlightening. Really interesting as to how rivers, mountains, concrete and oceans can dictate conflict amongst countries. Really interesting, and that's the main premise of this book. Tim Marshall obviously also prefaces the book that as we bring geopolitics into the 21st century, the environment, the landscape, the terrain can only, only play so much of a part, especially with technology being the way it is. Technology can can transcend a lot of these factors. But to understand a country's history and, for example, the Russian-Ukraine atrocities and everything that's going on in the Middle East, the Korean War, the relationship between Japan and China, all these things, to initially understand the reason why they are the way they are, we need to take a step back well, for one, you need to read this book, but you need to look at the landscape and the terrain and the mountains, the rivers, because they tell stories. And that's what was so fascinating about this book. One example he gives in the book, the reason why India and China 
kind of keep each other at arm's length. There is tension there, but the reason why they keep each other at arm's length is a little mountain range known as the Himalayas. For any one country to invade the other, you've got to get over some of the highest mountains in the world. That's like a, that's like a basic example of how, how landscape and how geography can make countries interact in certain ways. A personal one for me, we went to South Africa on honeymoon. Um, South Africa, Cape Town, is predominantly, yes, there are the, the um, townships where there was a lot of depravity and um, you know, tourists aren't obviously allowed to go there. Predominantly, Cape Town is a wealthy, wealthy area and so is South Africa. And it's because it's the lowest point of Africa. It's where two oceans meet. The Pacific Ocean and the Indian Ocean. So it's got access to world trade on the oceans. Compare that to somewhere like Namibia, a bit higher up in the middle of Africa with no trade routes, no ports, you see what I mean? Geography can affect politics and relationships between countries. Fascinating book. Honestly, I read through this book. Probably about two or three weeks, I read through this book every evening, picking it up. And if my dad would have recommended this book and said, yeah, son, listen, have a read of this. It's about geopolitics. I'd have been like, what the fucking hell are you on about you? But... I'm a big fan of embracing and learning something new and that's why I was excited and I almost, I couldn't wait to consume this book. I read the first chapter, which is about Russia. And I was hooked, I was hooked. So Tim goes into detail on the way the book's structured is 10 chapters on 10 maps of the world um, and discusses why they are the way they are, why they're at war with people who they're at war with, why there's conflict, why there may not be conflict, who they're in alliance with. And it's fascinating. To say it's eye-opening is an understatement, especially if you're someone like me who enjoys learning new subjects. Um, but Politics, you, you really kind of stay away from politics and that and world world news, but this is certainly an interesting book. So the most interesting chapters were Pakistan and its relationship with Afghanistan. Um, by the way, interesting fact, what I learned, I keep hearing, when you listen to a few Joe Rogan episodes, um, especially with... Um, shit, I can't think of his name now... On a few Joe Rogan episodes, there's been a few people, whether it be, I can't remember the names, they've mentioned the, the area Mesopotamia, and I always heard this phrase Mesopotamia and thought, was that there must be some oldie world, almost like Atlantis type mythical place. Well, it's actually, from reading this book, I've learnt, some one thing I've learnt, yeah, it's what Iraq 
and Syria used to be called Mesopotamia. Graham Hancock, that's what I was thinking of. So when Joe Rogan has Graham Hancock on and they're talking about all these lost civilizations, when they refer to Mesopotamia, it means the area where Iraq and Syria are. There you go. So it's something new. So the most interesting chapters were Pakistan and its relationship with Afghanistan and the false borders that the British created when they, when they um, colonised it. That affects the politics in the country because literally they just drew a line and said on a map from there to there is now Afghanistan and that half of it is Pakistan whereas the tribes that, that live in them areas they don't live by any fucking lines and borders fake borders and because the land is pretty much flat where the border is they don't see any distinction the locals, the natives don't see any distinction of which side of the border they're on um, so that's why there's a there's a massive It'd be hard for someone to have Iraq as an ally without having Afghanistan there as well, if that makes sense, do you know what I mean? Obviously, I'm no geopolitician. That's summarising very basically what he's talking about in the book, I think. It was also really interesting reading about China. I don't know much about China, but it was really interesting listening to reading Tim Marshall's take on how China will never be a superpower until it has a blue water navy. It has a green water navy, which basically um, stays quite local in the ports and the harbours, in the green waters, the shallow waters. But it will never be a global power until it gets a blue water navy, which can traverse the many massive oceans of the world. For example, like America. However, this book was written around 2015. We're now 2022. And this has started to happen. China has actually started to build a blue water navy. Which could be quite scary. So again, I know it's it's kind of a sensitive issue what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Um, but at a very basic level, it was interesting reading as to kind of how that conflict started with Russia really not having any warm water ports for its commerce around the world. The only warm water port that Russia has access to is a port in Ukraine all the other ports around the coast of Russia and obviously Russia is a fucking mammoth mammoth country continent whatever you want to call it the other ports are frozen for four, five, six months of the year which really affects trade with other countries so the only access is a warm water port in Ukraine And on the other side of Ukraine is Poland. And Poland being in the EU. Poland being part of NATO. The border of Poland to Moscow is only about something like 200 miles. And it's quite flat. So there'd be no real resistance for NATO forces to get to Moscow. That is at a very basic level 
why Ukraine, or one of the many reasons why Ukraine is so important. I just thought that was interesting. I didn't know anything about that. If I have got that wrong, please someone correct me, but that, that was what I gained from the book, that was what I took away from the book. Fascinating, fascinating. So, like, it does make you look at how geography dictates policy in countries with sanctions and dictates war. As a result of reading this book, I bought the second one, which I'm currently reading at the moment, which goes into greater detail on 10 more maps of the world. And I've also, it's been on the radar for a while, Guns, Germs and Steel by Jared Diamond. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I've got that right. Jared Diamond, Guns, Germs and Steel. I've bought that and I'm going to read it. We go on holiday in a few weeks. That is my holiday read. And... I'm looking forward to reading that again. Who'd have thought geopolitics could be so interesting? Maybe it's the age that I am at. Who knows? Maybe I'm just turning into a boring... Yeah, you know what. But yeah, fascinating. I love being introduced to new topics and new subjects. And learning something new. I love the idea and the concept of being a white belt at something. Being a white belt at something and being learning, just walking in, no previous kind of, no bad habits, just walking in and trying to learn something new. And geopolitics, that's where it started. Prisoners of geography, I recommend you get on it. And it'll make you look at the world a bit different. Also as well, I'll tell you what before we go, one other thing that I got from the book Whereas the maps, even the maps, the pictures of the maps are really interesting. Tim Marshall explains that if we look at a globe and there's a certain make of globe that is generic that everyone uses, it's generally the go-to globe to look at when people look at the maps of the world and they're quite inaccurate. It makes some countries look smaller than they actually are and other countries look bigger than they actually are and the oceans are smaller and etc, etc. The maps in the book actually give a good kind of representation as to the scale of some of the countries. Like the way he describes Africa, I'll let you read the book, is unbelievable how big Africa actually is. Fucking massive. Like it can contain Europe, parts of America. It's unbelievably big. So to see the world in that way and understand where countries are in relation to other countries is fascinating. Like even like down to holiday destinations where you've been, where that is in relation to countries that are quite hostile with each other, but maybe protected by a mountain range or maybe um, aren't in conflict because of a river where they both have to have mutual mutual respect for each other because of trade. Hey, get this book. Let me know how you get on. I guarantee you'll enjoy it. Take care, and we'll see you next time.